Well, today we start a new series on the Ten Commandments. Now, just saying the words, the Ten Commandments, um, I notice a couple things. First is, my voice tends to drop an octave. You know, it's the Ten Commandments, so we take it very seriously. And then when I'm, when I'm thinking about it, when I think of the Ten Commandments, I think with like Old English, right? You know, uh, thou, thee and thou and thine, thou shalt have no other gods before me, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt not kill. So there, there, there's words and there's phrasing that, that come in and the tone of my voice comes in, um, but there's also different um, images that, that come to mind when I think of the Ten Commandments. Uh, the first image that comes to mind is Moses, you know, coming down Mount Sinai with, with, these, with these tablets um, in his hand, these, these essential laws from God, and they're written on these stone tablets. And you know what's strange? Now, maybe there's some history to this, but I don't know. If you notice, every time you see tablets of the Ten Commandments, there's a little curve on top and it's a square on the bottom. Does anybody know why? Like, this is an honest question. I really don't know. So, I don't know. It just seems strange to me. I don't know. Julia's giving this look like, why are you telling us this? Um, but it's just weird to me that I, that I noticed that. Um, so, so, I have that image. But, but the Ten Commandments have also worked their way into um, Western culture, and particularly through, um, through movies. There's a couple of them that are really well known. One of them is, of course, Charlton Heston, you know, as Moses bringing the Ten Commandments, you know, parting the Red Sea and all these, all these great and wonderful things. 1956, that came out. Um, but my own personal favorite movie with the Ten Commandments would be Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, Indiana Jones. Because you know what's inside of the Ark of the Covenant is the covenant. You have the Old Testament and there's the, there's the manna and there's Aaron's um, staff. And so, so they're looking for that. And of course, you know, when they open the, open the Ark, you know, like, yeah, you don't, you don't look at it because, you know, it tends to melt faces and stuff, according to the movie at least. Um, so, so we have it in movies. We have the things that we say, the things that we do. But, but it's also worked its way, this whole idea of the Ten Commandments of have worked into just modern kind of pop culture. And I found a number of different styles of the Ten Commandments. Uh, a big one was the hillbilly Ten Commandments. And it's ain't no God, but ain't no one, ain't, ain't but one God. See, I'm just not a hillbilly. I can't say it right. All right, honor your mom and pa, things like that. But you also see things like the bacon Ten Commandments. You have the Ten Commandments of bingo. Uh, you have the cat Ten Commandments. Um, and you also have Harry Potter's Seven commandments because it's Harry Potter and there's only seven, there's not ten. Um, so we have all these different things that have worked their way into our culture, even for people who have no interest in knowing the real Ten Commandments or following, let alone following the Ten Commandments, um, they have worked their way into our culture. Now the Ten Commandments have also, the, the actual Ten Commandments, have worked their way into our politically divided nation. As we fight over monuments, are we going to have monuments at government buildings, you know, with, with, with you know, state government houses and, and, and courthouses and such, are we going to put those out in front of the, of the buildings or maybe even inside of the buildings? And, you know, places like Arkansas, Oklahoma, Colorado, New Mexico, Washington, D.C., places like that, are we going to do that? And the debate is, you know, are we violating um, the concept of the wall of separation between church and state? Now, Separation of church and state is not actually in the Constitution and things like that, but it is, it is a concept, and it, is, it comes from the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment of the Constitution, that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And we also know that 
freedom of religion is kind of a key component in the founding of our nation as well. If you remember when the, the, the pilgrims, these separatists, when they left England, they went by way of, of Holland, but when they left England and they arrived here in 1620, they were looking for the freedom to practice the religion that was not the religion of, of the Church of England. Now, so we have that, we have that foundation for us, and then if you look at the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, it's not thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, things like that. It is you shall have no other gods before me. So it's interesting, I kind of look at it and I go, well, I kind of get why some people are saying, should we have the Ten Commandments in front of a government building or not? Now I know, you know, that might not be a popular thing for me to say, but it's an interesting debate for us to have and a discussion for people to have. Um, Because the Ten Commandments are not just about building a Judeo-Christian ethic. That is not why God gave the Ten Commandments. Was it so that people for generations to come would have a common ethic? It was something much deeper than that that God was giving to the people. Well, the Ten Commandments also come up in ethical debates that we have. And again, whether you are somebody who believes in the Bible or not, somebody who follows, intends to follow the, the, the Ten Commandments or not, that is something that show up, shows up in ethical debates, particularly Uh, the commandment that says, um, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder. And that's one of those things where they say, well, you know, I live by that Judeo-Christian ethic of thou shalt not kill. Um, But how do we apply it? People say that and people mean that and people think that, but how do we apply it? And it's brought up by people, again, a very different political persuasions, very very different beliefs on certain issues. Uh, People will bring it up when we talk about uh, capital punishment, about going to war, about abortion, things like that. Well, Then even going deeper than that, thinking ethically and saying, okay, well, if we do want to have the Ten Commandments there, we do want to say, hey, that they should um, guide and even define our laws as a nation, how far do we go with it? You know, should people who commit adultery go to prison? Do we want the police knocking on our door because I was coveting my neighbor's Tesla? Do I want the district attorney's office investigating our church for having pictures of Jesus in the hallway? Um, Danielle, you guys aren't looking into that, are you? The, the Jesus paintings down the hallway were good? Okay, good. Um, so, now it sounds silly, right? It sounds silly to say, of course they're not going to show up and say, no, we're, we're going to take down your paintings and, and you can't covet anybody's anything. We're going to arrest you for it. But when we say we want the, the Ten Commandments to influence and to really guide our, our nation's laws, it can get sticky. See, the, the, the Ten Commandments were not actually given to a nation like ours. They, give, they were given to a nation, but they were given to the nation of Israel. And a true, at that point, a true theocracy, a government that was, that was founded on not only the principles of, of, of God and, and of law, but on the very, very word of God. So it gets sticky in our religiously divided and diverse nation of how do we do that. And if you look kind of the history of it, we see that directly. We see what happens. So if you look at Exodus um, chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments, um, also in um, Deuteronomy. But in in Exodus 20, we find it there. And in the chapters leading up to it, God has just delivered the people of Israel um, from Egypt. They had been in captivity for hundreds of years, and and God delivered them under the leadership of of Moses and Aaron. And in chapter 19, right before that, we read uh, these words. So it's Exodus 19, verse 3 through 8. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So he brings the answer back to the Lord. Yes, they want to follow you. They want, they're entering into what we would call a, a covenant. God is saying, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And therefore, you are going to obey these laws. I'm going to give you these ways to live. He says, bring the people to the base of Mount Sinai. And you're going to come up on, on the mountain. And I'm going to kind of surround you with this cloud. And I'm going to speak so that not only you hear, but so that the people of Israel will hear as well. And then God speaks these very famous words to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or on the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who keep me and keep, who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner resided in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, these are very familiar words to us, but Lord, help us to study them, to take them seriously because they are not just ancient words. They are your words. They are the word of truth. Lord, today, this day, every day, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So these words, as we see from Exodus 19 and then into 20, is that these were written to God's people. Now, the people of Israel, just like everybody else, struggle to live faithfully and consistently. But they still accepted that the Ten Commandments uh, were the authoritative word of God and they were central for the people of Israel to follow. Well, like Christians, we today are the people of God. So the, the Ten Commandments were written for the people of God and today we are the people of God and we are saved by him. And in response, we say, I want to submit to God's will and I want to follow his law. 
So in general, there has been pretty widespread acceptance among Christians to say, yes, the, the Ten Commandments are the Word of God. We are, we are called to follow them. Now, we might read them in context a little bit with some nuance and say, well, we might practice the Sabbath a little differently. There are some things we might do a little different. But, but we still go, well, yeah, of course, the Ten Commandments. Why wouldn't anybody um, follow or believe in the, in the Ten Commandments? Well, this January, things got a little more complicated. Um, pastor Andy Stanley, who is a pastor at one of the biggest churches in the country um, in Atlanta, um, he wrote a book and he preached a few sermons and he wrote an article um, that were very clearly telling Christians, in his opinion, that we are not at all under the authority of the Ten Commandments. We should, in his words, actually unhitch for much of the Old Testament. Not because it's outdated, because he, he's saying, well, it's 2019, but he's saying because it never applied to the church and never applied to Christians. And he even went so far in his book as to say, thou shalt not follow the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I know, I'm getting some looks like, seriously? Like, yeah, he really said that. And he was very sincere in what he said. Um, I believe he's also very wrong in what he said. But he was very sincere in what he said. And he did have some foundation for what he said. I believe it's shaky ground, but he had foundation for what he said. His belief is that, um, here's the foundation, but I think it's being mixed up. His foundation comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31. Uh, Jesus' approach, one of the teachers of the law asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So, so this passage and a few other passages and concepts um, lead people of this perspective, because Andy Stanley is not alone in teaching this, um, leads them to, this, to, to believe that the Old Testament as a whole, and specifically the Ten Commandments, are void. Well, obviously that got some raised eyebrows, it got some questions, and it got some people talking, saying, well, wait, 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 how did he come up with this, and what, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And again, like I said, I disagree with the conclusion that he came to on it, but there are four important things that I want us to think about with that in response to, to what he said. Um, the first is that I believe that Andy Stanley is a devoted and faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He is a great preacher. I've, I've heard him in person preach, and I thought, I thought he did a fantastic job. He has taught many wonderful and great things, and he does great things for, for God's kingdom. Um, but all of us get something wrong at some point. Um, also, this is not a new idea. It's not like Andy came up with this thing out of the blue when he was the first one to teach us. There's a number of um, different branches of Christianity that have taught this concept for a long time um, that we don't need to follow the Old Testament, that we don't need to follow the Ten Commands, that they are not written for us. Um, another is that I actually like the title of his article. Let's take a look at the title of his article. So it says, Why do Christians want to post the Ten Commandments and not the Sermon on the Mount? Which is a great question, right? Now, where he gets to is, well, we shouldn't post the Ten Commandments because they don't matter for us. Um, but it's a great question. And I go, okay, why are we eager to say, we need to put the Ten Commandments out there, but what about the Sermon on the Mount? Man, that's a really hard call for us as Christians. Maybe it's too long, or maybe it's just that it is too hard. We can all get on board for the Ten Commandments. Sure, why not? Everybody should. But didn't Jesus also mean what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? And man, think of the, the way the world would look if we actually lived by the Sermon on the Mount. 
The fourth thing is that on a bigger scale, Andy is bringing up a very important discussion that needs to be had. And it's, and it's kind of what we're going to be looking at for these 10 weeks or 11 weeks starting today is what does the, the Ten Commandments, what difference do they make in my life? What should they make in my life? Because I can accept them and go, well, yeah, of course I, I, I believe in the Ten Commandments. What are they? Uh, the Sabbath and don't say bad words and don't kill people. Uh, there's, there's like 10 or something. You know, but, so if I'm going to say I really believe and I think they need to be posted somewhere, well, are they posted on my heart and are they living out in my life? That's the question that we need to ask. Well, to think about how seriously we take the Ten Commandments in our daily lives, I'm going to show you a very silly movie clip, um, but one that I think we really need to pay attention to because it has a powerful connection to what we're talking about today. So let's, let's watch this. When Elizabeth invoked the pirate's code, the captain said, first, your return to shore was not part of our negotiations nor our agreement, so I must do nothing. And secondly, you must be a pirate for the pirate's code to apply, and you're not. And thirdly, the code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl, Miss Turner. Three things that he said in there that were big. First, your return to shore was not part of our negotiations nor our agreement, so I must do nothing. Now, he claimed to believe in the pirate code. He claimed to live by a certain code of ethics, and he even knew the spirit of their agreement. He knew that, of course, she was expecting to be brought back to shore, but he found a loophole to get what he wanted. Well, this is what Jesus accused the Pharisees and many others of doing, is that they were taking the law of God and they were finding loopholes so they could get around things and get what they want, so they could live the way that they wanted and do their own thing. This is a big part of what the Sermon on the Mount was about, when people were finding loopholes, when people were missing the deeper meaning, the deeper spirit of the law, and Jesus was calling them for it. Well, it's also something that we fall into as Christians. When we read the Word of God, when we read these difficult passages and we say, well, he probably meant this, and we find some way to get around things. Again, it's that whole idea of legalism, you know, where you follow just the letter of the law, which, you know, not only makes you more strict with other people, but it also makes you less strict with yourself because you can weasel your way around certain things. Then he said, and secondly, you must be a pirate for the pirate code to apply, and you are not. Well, here's where Captain Barbosa is right and where our debate comes in for today. Now, the pirate code was a code of ethics someone lives by when they become a pirate. One does not live by the code in order to become a pirate. One is a pirate, and then they live by it. And there's no expectation that a non-pirate would abide by that code. Well, the Ten Commandments start with these words in Exodus 20, verse 2 to 3. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The foundation of it all is twofold. I am the Lord your God. Not just I am the Lord, the one true God. I am the Lord your God. It's personal. He is their God. They are his people. They are in covenant with him. He also said, I am the God who brought you out of the land of slavery. I have already saved you. You are already my people. I have already delivered you from this. You don't have to follow these laws so that I will pull you out. I have already saved you. Does that sound familiar for us? We are called to follow the law of God, not so that we can earn God's favor, not so that God will save us, but we are called to follow God because he is our God. He is my God. 
because he has already chosen to save me. He has already extended and given that grace to me. The command to remember the Sabbath, the command to worship God alone, the command to not murder. Each of these commands are given to people who loved and were saved by God. Since I am the Lord your God who saved you, since you are my people, this is how you should live. Now those who believe, like Andy Stanley and others, that the Ten Commandments don't apply to Christians would probably agree with the logic of Captain Barbosa. Well, you must be a Jew for the Ten Commandments to apply, and you are not. Their logic is that the Old Covenant was done away with. Not just the Old Testament. Well, it's, it's the older one, and now it's continued on. But it is this idea that the Old Covenant is gone. It is no longer a part of our lives. And the basis for that is, you, part of the basis for that is you look, well, we're going to have communion in a little bit, and Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant, which I am pouring out in my blood. Oh, Okay, well, new covenant means the old covenant is null and void. It is no longer a part of what we follow. Now, we are part, we have this idea of covenant theology in, in the Presbyterian churches and churches like ours, whereas this is master covenant that God has been working out and building and, and revealing to his people since the very beginning of time. Well, some would disagree with that, that he has eliminated the old covenant, so the law is gone. And Jesus actually spoke about this directly, about this whole idea of getting rid of the old law, getting rid of the old covenant. Matthew 5, 17 through 19, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. To fulfill something means to bring it to its full expression and to its full value. It's talking about something that God had told us about before and it is now being lived out. It is being filled out. It is being fully known. Jesus brought the deeper meaning of the law. Jesus did not abolish the law. Jesus brought the deeper and really original meaning. And we see that especially clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus reinforced the Ten Commandments. You look at things like, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus took those a step further. He brought them back to the deeper original meaning of the Ten Commandments and really God's law as a whole. Well, then the third quote from Captain Barbosa. Thirdly, the code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. Now, to me, this is the funniest part of the line, but one really that stings the most when I consider how it might impact me. When it comes to the Ten Commandments and the difficult words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, as people who are redeemed, as people who have been given new life in Jesus Christ, I cannot claim to believe in God's law. I cannot claim to believe in the Ten Commandments and treat them simply as guidelines that I only vaguely know and understand. Here's an interesting thought. Why did Barbosa treat the pirate code as guidelines rather than rules? You know why he did that? 
Because he's a pirate. Remember another scene in the movie where um, uh, Jack Sparrow and Will Turner are, are fighting with each other and Jack kind of cheats? And he's like, I'm a pirate. You know, what do you expect? Well, that's what we can expect from Captain Barbosa is he is a pirate. His nature is ruled by his identity. And the same is true for us. My nature and my action, my way of living is ruled by my identity. If my identity is that I am a beloved child of God and I am saved by the blood of Jesus, then I will by nature view God's law as binding for me and much more than just guidelines. A law that I choose to obey because of who I am and because of who God is. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave a vision for what God's law was and is intended to do. He gave us a glimpse of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not simply about following rules and and about avoiding sin. It is not simply about not killing people and taking Saturdays off and not lying. The kingdom is about bringing life. The kingdom is about centering our lives on God. The kingdom is about speaking truth. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's intent of the law. And as people, we are made in the image of God. And as Christians, we are seeking to be more and more recreated and and rebuilt into the image of God. We're called to reflect him in how we live our lives. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, you have the first four and you have the last six. The first four are our relationship with God and the last six are our relationship with people. So as we are allowing God to change us, as we are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, made more like him by the Holy Spirit, we start to live those out in our relationships with God and our relationships with other people. We not only avoid sin, but we actively bless other people and honor God. And that's a big thing that's going on there, right? It's that Jesus is giving this image of what it can look like. It's not just don't do all these wrong things. It's not even just start doing good things. It is start to live into who you are intended to be and how the kingdom is intended to be lived out in this world. The kingdom of God is not just some future foreign thing that will eventually come, but God is bringing his kingdom right here and right now. Far from being irrelevant or little more than general tips for life, God uses the Ten Commandments in his church today to help us live as the people he created us to be and intends us to be. As we become more like him, we reflect his image, we reflect his goodness every day in how we live in order to bring him glory and also so that when people see us, they see the image of God in us and they are drawn closer to him and then we can help others to find the joy and the life and the hope of Jesus Christ. That is our calling in the Ten Commandments. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for the Ten Commandments. We thank you for this image that we get of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for the Sermon on the Mount as you fleshed that out more, as you gave us more of an idea of what that is supposed to look like, not just rules to follow, but a way of being who you created us to be. Lord, help us to take seriously your Ten Commandments. Help us to see them as a gift and as a joy. Help us to live them. Help us to follow you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.